Hello, welcome back to the Naked Security Podcast. My name is Kimberly Trung, and to my virtual right, I have Doug Ameth. Hi. <laughs> and to my virtual left, I have Paul Ducklin. Hello, I'm going to be all upbeat. I just said hi last week and then surprised myself. <laughs> well, I'm used to diving into the recommendations, so I was, it was, I thought Kim, Kim should go first with hers. Well, I figured we would introduce ourselves first. Oh, yeah. I was going to change it up a bit, have Love our name, because I feel like I always forget, or like someone gets their name left out. I forget my own name, and so I figured we get the intros out first. But yeah, let's show actually, into these Kimberly. Rec- in, in all the podcasts, the only person you've ever forgotten to introduce <laughs> is yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> <Actually>. I know. <laughs> if I'm going to get better, be guys. Y- y'all know me. You don't need me to introduce myself. Um, but yeah, let's get into some quick wrecks. Doug, what do you got for us this week? Okay, Kim, I understand I owe you a happy belated birthday. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So Thank you so much. <laughs> I have a I have a birthday-related recommendation. Oh. Now, I don't, you may not have to use this yet, but my recommendation to, is to everyone, once you hit 40, okay. tell everyone you're 10 years older than you are. Oh. Because... So here, I have a story. On my 40th birthday, I was in a restaurant eating with my uh, my wife and her sister and my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law told the waiter, it's his birthday. Waiter said, happy birthday. And my brother-in-law goes, yeah, he's 50 today. And the waiter said, oh my God, you look great. You're 50? You You look really good for 50. And I said, actually, I'm 40. And the waiter was like, oh. <laughs> okay, you guys want to hear the specials? So, and it can backfire on you because you can say, yeah, yeah. I'm 50. And people are like, oh, yeah, I get it. You look 50. So, but it's all, it's, it makes you feel good once you get a little older. Tell people you're 10 years. Because there's this thing like, oh, I'm, I'm turning 30 again. But it's like, tell them you're 10 years older and you'll feel good about yourself. Because they'll be like, you look great for 50 until they don't. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're clearly 50. You know, I have no problem with um, adding some years to my age. I was actually in a grocery store recently, and, you know, we were wearing masks, and uh, so half my face is covered uh, in all fairness. But uh, the gentleman checking my groceries out, um, he's like, I-, I was buying alcohol, and he's like, oh, can I see ID? And I was like, whoa, I can't remember the last yeah. time someone wow. asked me to see ID. And he was like an older gentleman. He wasn't like a younger guy. Like he was an older guy and he looked at my ID and then he looked at me, looked at my ID again, then looked at me and was like, you look great. <laughs> I was like, thank you. So thank you, Mr. Man at the grocery store for uh, giving me that boost of confidence a few months ago. That was very nice of you. Anyway, great recommendation. Love that, Doug. Duck, what do you have for a recommendation this week? Well, I, I was trying to think where have I gone with bands, and I've, I know we've done Spain, <laughs> we had a couple of Germanys, we had a Sweden, a Scotland, a United going States of America world. last week. Well, we're in Greece this time. The band is called, Doug will like this because it sounds like a gaming rig, uh, which is probably why a lot of people tune in, uh, 1000 Mods, and you need to know to type 1000 uh, not the word thousand. It's actually a joke because the Greek word for a thousand is Hylia, uh, uh, and they come from a place in Greece called Hyliomodi, which is mm. uh, so the, the beginning of that sounds like a thousand. So they went for English a thousand mods. Like I said, if you like it, 
if you if you took my recommendation last week and you went to watch like a, a live sleep video and you just see like a guitarist <laughs> in front of video. a wall of orange amps and orange cabinets, well, you'll get something similar if you go to a thousand mods, but it's maybe a bit more rock and roll. A um, bit more I think rock like and it. roll. Splendid. 10,000 Maniacs. <laughs> totally different band. <laughs> uh, the 1,000 Mods and ah, then 10,000 gotcha. Maniacs. We, I'd recommend either. Sure. Um, so my recommendation this week is, guys, if you heard me talk about how much I love true crime or unsolved mysteries... Guys, Unsolved Mysteries now has a podcast. It is so well designed in terms of sound design and the way they interview people. It has such a creep factor that the show has. I love it. I realize the irony of saying this, but there are so many podcasts. There are. Like how would you ever, like when you're like, hey, listen to this new one. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. My podcast card is full. You're pro- uh, totally full. But I want to listen to this now. So it's something's got so give. good. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that it's just a more competitive landscape, right? Uh, so thank you, listeners, for listening to this podcast and prioritizing us amongst the... Oh, I was reading an article the other day. Guess how many podcasts there are currently? 20 million. Oh, that's actually lower than I thought it would be. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I do have time to listen to Unsolved Mysteries then. <laughs> you do, you do. Um, shall we move on? I'm going to quickly tease the oh no of the week, which, as you guys know, happens at the end of our episode. And all I can say is sometimes things are black and white. Okay. Not gray. Just so the listeners know, I go into these oh no is blind. I, I don't read them beforehand because I love to be titillated by them. So <laughs> I have no idea what's coming, but I'm very excited. But first, we're going to talk about an iPhone app that shares your phone calls with everyone. I don't know if that's uh, a feature or a bug, but it sounds like a bug. We're going to talk about a gigantic <laughs> security camera hack that allegedly breached 150,000 cameras. And then we're going to do kind of a lightning round mashup of past stories that are getting a lot of concern again, a lot of traction, a lot of searches on naked security. So we'll tackle that in the final segment. But first, fun fact, getting lost in a mall, if you remember malls, is purposeful. It is known as the Gruen transfer after Austrian architect Victor Gruen, who identified that intentionally confusing mall layouts could lead shoppers to spending more time and money while they search for the exits. Wow. Wow. Malls and casinos. This guy was like Shopping doing mall. like... What is that again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. That's fascinating. So let's talk about, speaking of shopping malls, let's talk about the iPhone app that shares your calls with everyone. Let's not panic, but poor programming led to an iPhone bug that could have been exploited by anyone, anywhere, at any time to listen to your phone calls. Now, all of my phone calls entail my wife and I asking the one who's at home if the one who's in the car should stop for coffee and then eventually resulting in a second phone call to say that the drive through line at Starbucks is too long. But it is possible that some people have more important phone calls than I do. So, Paul... What's the story here? Well, it's a little bit of a sad tale. It's software that most people, to be fair, would probably avoid because it's one of those, uh, you know, those those apps that give you three days for free. 
it's a free trial but it's not like three days for free and then it stops working unless you decide to buy it it's basically by using it you agree that it's going to bill you after three days and some of them apparently if you don't you, you need to give 24 hours notice so they have one day to process it so you actually kind of only get two days and then it starts billing you so a lot of people are going to be put off by that but maybe if you it was an, a thing called acr automatic call recorder for iphone and it's quite handy to be able to record calls, at least in jurisdictions where it's legal or where both parties agree. Uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of handy to be able to have a background recording feature. So you might need it for a moment. You might grab this app. It had uh, loads and loads of five-star reviews. But if you took the trouble to read them, you would notice a certain unbelievability and unusualness in the, <laughs> in the choice of words didn't ex if they sounded like they came from 10,000 app store reviews you can use for free for any app uh, but it nevertheless had a despite one star reviews over the 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 fact that there was this three-day trial and then it grabbed your money it still had a 4.2 4.2 out of 5 average so you might have grabbed it and in fact it seems that from its call recording point of view, the app was absolutely fine. A lot of these, you know, three-day trial apps, there isn't a lot of effort put into the app. It just you, Often they just do something that the phone could probably already do for you. So things like QR code readers are popular, compass apps for giving directions, stuff that the basic uh, picture filters for your phone, stuff like that that you can probably do anyway. So the app itself is presumably just using fairly standard features seems to work fine. The problem comes, of course, it's a modern day app, so it's a cloud app, and the person who'd implemented it was obviously in a little bit of a hurry with the cloud, so they allowed anybody who'd ever used the app and monitored its HTTPS connections back to the app could figure out how to generate requests that would retrieve data for anybody else. All you had to do was put in somebody else's username and it assumed that if it looked as though the app had generated the request, it must therefore be authorised to receive the data. So in theory, anybody could have downloaded any call from anybody. Thank you, Cloud. And one wonders why it's so easy to get apps like that into a place like the App Store. You'd think that, that, would be, that there would be some kind of system functions that Apple would make you use unless you could prove that yours were at least as secure so that you couldn't make blunders like this. But that is quite hard. It, it, it's hard to stop a programmer doing the wrong thing if they're absolutely determined to or don't care or both. Okay, so what can people do? I'm a person, I need a call recording app. I go to the app store. This is highly rated. I'm not putting too much thought into it because it's a phone app. I assume it's safe and I yeah. download it. So what can... Exactly. And you're thinking three-day trial? Well, like... I won't need to find my direction. I won't need to read a QR code tomorrow. I won't need to record a call after this one. It's just this important one. And if it is that great, I'll pay for it. So it seems it seems non-controversial, right? If you, you just need an app for a bit and then you're going to delete the app anyway. By the way, the problem with these trial apps is often the subscription, whether it's Google or Apple, it goes with your account, not with the app. So a lot of people make the mistake, they then uninstall the app, doesn't automatically cancel your subscription. You end up paying for an app you don't even have anymore. That's yeah. another problem. My recommendation is very simple, and it may sound a little blunt, is ignore the reviews that you see on App Store or Google Play. Just Except for our podcast. <laughs> app, app, well, I mean for apps. I know, this is not right? an app, uh, but yeah. yeah duh, you the, can 
obviously, if an app gets, if loads of people are saying, I had this problem, I had that problem, I had the other, and there's a certain consistency there, then you might want to be warned. But it's just so easy for people to come up with positive recommendations. And, you know, I think as, as, as we've mentioned before on the podcast, there's also the issue that when people do reviews of apps in good faith, they may not be thinking about it from a security point of view. They're just saying, I installed this app and it works straight away. And you kind of, they're inviting everyone to infer, therefore it's brilliant. But, you know, maybe they weren't concerning themselves with what happened to the data afterwards. I've resorted to, for reviews, looking for the ones that are two and three stars because five stars could be fake one star you got an axe to grind <laughs> and two and three i always look for the two or three star ones that start out like i don't know where all these positive reviews are coming from but <laughs> yeah. i had this problem so it's like oh yeah. okay this something's up here i like i like your idea of just ignoring the views altogether but if you actually want to get some like real people look for like two or three stars and see what they're saying they might just be like it's fine or they might be like i don't i don't get why all these five-star reviews yeah well or to quote in the article on naked security there's some good advice there that came from our friend and colleague sally sally adam uh when when i talked to her on the uh podcast about uh, homeschooling, where you, know, you might have a problem that you're told to use one of a small set of apps by the school. How do you judge it? Uh, advice goes as follows. I'll read it out aloud. Fake ratings and official-looking app store reviews can be bought online at a price that's almost literally 10 a penny. Look for reviews in independent user forums or for mm. discussions in online cybersecurity mm. groups. There are places you can go where people are talking independently about the kind of apps they're using to solve problem X or Y or Z. And there, people are likely to chime in with how it really worked because they're not just leaving a review on the store and then going away and trying the app later. And it also means that they almost certainly have actually used the app at some time in their life. You know, the thing that I uh, am really spooked about this particular app is that by the nature of the app, you're probably recording some juicy conversations, right? Some conversations that maybe you want to use as evidence for something, or I, I don't like, I can't imagine me using this app unless I needed to use it because I, I needed someone to admit something or I needed to get something recorded. So like, I feel like the nature of the conversations that are probably being captured by this app are I guess, more higher stakes. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And bear in mind that depending on where you live, in the US, I think it varies by state. Um, in other parts of the world, it can vary just by country. But if you are going to do call recording, make sure that you don't fall foul of your local laws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some countries yeah. as good as forbid it. Some countries are permit it with the explicit permission of both parties basically you have to ask them and some um uh, allow it with the permission of either party which basically means you can record it if you're on the call um so if you are going to record a call don't get you know where you think it's perfectly innocent to do so don't get yourself into legal hot water uh if it's not permitted in your jurisdiction it's kind of your duty to find out and if in doubt, just ask the other person, like same as before you take a selfie, you're going to stick on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever. Cool. Any uh, any more advice for the good people? I guess the, the other side of the advice is, you know, what to do if you are a programmer. And mm. the answer is that in this case, the call recording 
and stuff like that, there are built-in functions in iOS or an Android that mean you don't have to concern yourself with all the exigencies of you know how you process the bits of data and how you extract them from the telephone device. That's all regulated for you because A, it allows the operating system to take the security of the phone part, for example, more seriously. In the same way that, like, if you if you write a web browser on iOS, it has to use Apple's web rendering engine, WebKit. The same with things like audio recorders and video recorders. But what you do with the data afterwards, there is a sense that it's up to you. Like, if you're uploading it or if you're collecting it or if you're going to save it for later. If you save it on the phone, the phone... Well, iOS and Android alike provide protections that stop one app from blindly, accidentally or deliberately reading data from another app. They keep the app separate. That's a great plan. But once you upload it, well, goodness knows what could happen to it next. So if you don't know what you're doing or you're not absolutely sure that you know what you're doing and you know that you can do it at least as well as the operating system, find out what library functions the operating system itself has available to you because generally they will force you to do things better than you're likely to invent it yourself if you're making it up as you go along yeah, save yourself some time it's a long way of saying re- read the manual yeah and <laughs> so don't and save your time don't don't just go out and download some random stuff that somebody else said oh this works well you know if apple for example have some uh, an excellent range of security advice for ios and macOS programmers pages and pages worth that show you all the bit like how to do security and how it works and what the, how they expect you to do security for all different parts of your app the user interface the files you store the stuff you collect the stuff you upload audio video all of that stuff go and read that because if you haven't read it you, you may think you can do better than apple and there may be things that you think oh apple should be doing more well that's up to you you can always do more just make sure you don't accidentally do less because that would be a mistake you do not simply do not need to make. Okay, that's called How Confidential Are Your Calls? This iPhone app shared them with everyone on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. It is time for technology etymology. I took a little liberties with the Ooh, word yay. technology here, but I thought this was interesting <laughs> to get behind this term. Chances are you've used polyvanilidine chloride wrap before, though you may have referred to it by its more consumer-friendly name, saran wrap, before it was oh. used to wrap food. Is that how you say it? Saran wrap. We don't have that word here. It just because it's a, and I always thought it was sarin. Oh no, <laughs> that's a type of gas used to hurt people. But that might be your guys's pronunciation, you know, because marketing will change the pronunciation sometimes based off the region or the country. Do you not have like you guys say sofos, and we don't yeah, um, exactly. No, no, we don't have it. I think you just normally call it cling film. In the same yeah, way that we have film. Hoovers. Do you have cling film? Yeah. It's just not called Spanish. I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think it's made of, of polyvinyl, what's it, made chloride poly- anymore, though. Vinylil- yeah. <laughs> Poly- polyvanilidine chloride. <laughs> you got it. Anyway, before it was used to wrap food, polyvanilidine chloride was initially developed as a spray used on U.S. fighter planes, automobile upholstery, and inside boots to protect them from the elements. So how did we eventually settle on calling it Saran? It was a combination of the names of inventor John Riley's wife and daughter, Sarah and Anne. Saran. Cute. Okay, that's why it's not Saran. Saran. Yeah, Saran. <laughs> right. Mystery solved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny how trade names and, and mm. things like that, those names stick, right? Like, so you guys have kerosene, but we have paraffin. 
because that was the brand we started with. Hmm, Whereas right. in Australia, they have petrol, not gasoline, but they they call it kerosene. Presumably that was the brand that first hit their market. I'm going to go hoover my floor because I know that's what the British say. They say hoover. Yeah, whereas to you, you, you're probably imagining that, that amazing Art Deco dam in Nevada, aren't you? <laughs> That's exactly what was in my yeah. mind. How did you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think we both share a little bit of a of a fascination for... We do uh, love Art, Art Deco, Deco, and Bauhaus I love that period. we both love Art Deco. I've never been to the Hoover Dam, I, uh, and I was hoping to go to Black Hat, and I was going to take my bicycle. Oh, I was going to ride yeah. there. It's quite. A, it's quite a good ride. And uh, of course, <laughs> you know, not yet. The virtual black hats. You kind of don't get <laughs> to go to the uh, Hoover Dam no more. <laughs> you can play a nice video of you. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone <laughs> who has not some footage same. online. I like, know. I'm. I'm totally joking. You will get like there quite, one day. The last time I went outside of Vegas when I was in Vegas was to go to Area 51. Oh, my that buddies. probably took forever. While we were in college, it took a long time, and we pulled yep. up to the gate, and a man and came there's nothing there. up on a hill and said, get the H out of here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a non-rec on my on, on my list. I would never recommend anybody going out Same to Area here. 51. I did that drive. It's long. There's nothing out there. I mean, I like the desert scenery. I do, but it's just way too long to go out and see a gate. And like you said, only to have someone come out and be like, can you please leave? Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't say please. <laughs> Yeah, you said what the H mm -hmm. or get the H out of here. Mm -hmm. But there's a very cool diner down the road from mm -hmm. Area 51. It's like, you know, alien themed, mm -hmm. of course. So that's the one recommendation I would give. Anyway, guys, our next story is 150,000 security cameras allegedly breached in, quote, too much fun hack. So news outlet Bloomberg has gone public with what appears to be a dramatic cybersecurity news story about surveillance. Bloomberg claims that a, quote, international hacker collective was responsible for breaking into a network of 150,000 surveillance cameras and accessing private footage from live video feeds. According to Bloomberg, one of the hacking crew, Tilly Kotman, claimed to have accessed cloud-based camera surveillance company Verkata and found themselves face-to-face -face with a huge swath of internal data. This data apparently included real-time feeds of up to, like we said, 150,000 surveillance cameras at Verkata customer sites, as well as other real-time information such as access control data from Verkata customers. Brands like car maker Tesla, internet provider Cloudflare, and numerous health and law enforcement organizations. Duck, how did we get here? What's the scoop? Well, you'd think that after the last story about you know what happens when you just got some lone programmer writing a <laughs> right. three-day yeah. trial app it doesn't quite mm. get the cloud side right it seems that the getting the stuff into the cloud was fine um it was just who was allowed to access it once it was there was perhaps not controlled this is what seems to be the case as strictly or as well as it might have and my understanding is that this company had created what were essentially you might call sort of uber admin accounts, you know, accounts that could kind of do absolutely anything. So it's like ultra sysadmin or meta root or whatever you want to call it. And that meant that there were accounts that if you happen to have one of those passwords and you logged in as one of those users, then you could kind of 
see anything from any feed so there's no evidence that the person who did this hack actually went and downloaded all the data from all the cameras and stored it there doesn't seem to have been any data exfiltration or data stealing or blackmail side to this like you said in the headline it was kind of it was it was like a too good a hack to be true it was more like proving that these accounts that they'd found were able not just to go into one or two accounts but they kind of had the the run of the network and unfortunately or so that so the hacker or hackers claimed one of the passwords of one of these super duper uber admin accounts you'd guessed it had uh, <coughs> leaked out onto the public internet so in other words so looking around here's this password golly that looks like a real account you know what can happen when it, when crooks find passwords they're not supposed to they come steaming in and steal all your files and then ransomware them and send you a bill for four million dollars in this case it was a little bit different it seems that the person went in and then did raise attention to this but may have gone a little too far because the last i heard is tilly Kopman, who i believe they live in switzerland did have a visit from law enforcement uh with a sort of please explain the other day apparently so it was one of those things that just shouldn't have happened. You know, individual accounts, particularly for a network of this sort, that are just given far too much power. It's almost like it doesn't matter how how carefully you've protected your cloud containers or the portals or how strong your VPN is um, or how, how how much you trust your users. You've just got these accounts that kind of blow through all of that. And you can see why you might want those, but they're a, they're much more of a convenience to the operator of a cloud-based service than they are to the customers. And then, you know, the, the obvious flip side of that, why give one person more power than they could ever possibly need at any time, just in case things go wrong? You then allow one of those passwords to leak out onto the internet. So if there was if there was two FA, it sounds like it right. wasn't turned on. <laughs> yeah, you I'm took guessing. the words right out of my mouth. It's like, <laughs> why isn't there like uh, some sort of team? I don't know if two FA two FA is the right term, but like when I worked at a bank, for example. Now, granted, I was like a teenager, if you can believe it. I worked at a bank as a teenager because this was back in the day when they had internship programs at this particular bank, and um, even to access the vault. You, you had to have two people and yeah. you each had Quite separate right. combos. And uh, I can't, I just don't understand why the same situation <laughs> isn't applied to something like this. But. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's how I'd want it. I mean, I remember one, this was obviously was going back many years now because we have been traveling for a bit and I've been traveling for that, for, been traveling only in Europe recently, but it was a time, I forget the reason why, but I was at, I think I was at LAX or somewhere, and mm. I I was in plenty of time, and I just decided, I said, look, it, do I have to go through your your scanning machines and get my stuff searched pri- publicly, or can I get screened privately? And, you know, everyone loves to complain about TSA, and they said, oh, sir, it's not a problem, we can, we're happy to screen you privately, we are quite busy, so as long as you've got a little bit of time to wait, have a seat, there have to be two of us. Mm-hmm. And exactly the same <laughs> yeah. thing happened once entering New Zealand. I said the same thing, and they said it's absolutely right. It's not a problem, but I I need to go and get a colleague. And they'll and so so it said most people, 
you know, if everyone wanted to be screened privately, it would be quite complicated. But most people don't have the time or they don't mind. But for those who do, it protects you because it Mm -hmm. means there are two of us. But even more importantly, it protects us. And I thought, yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. I don't, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to be dragged into a side room by one person, you know. (laughs) So the fact that they know where you're going, there's a second person, it's signed up. If you don't come back, you'll be missed. And exactly the same you think with a bank vault. Like, well, if there are two people, there are good health and safety reasons for that, let alone security and cybersecurity. So I'm surprised that in a a situation like this, that an individual could, with one login on their own... Have the keys to the kingdom. That's crazy. And that they kind of had, when you have the... Or the key to the kingdom... Because not only yeah, did they not have a second key. factor Everybody of a person, has access there's to like one this key. key and there's no message that comes to your phone that says, now put in this secret extra one-time code, which will be a start. So let's hope that that's all been sorted out now yeah. and this all ends well and that, you know, that it doesn't end in tears for the person who found and went in and had a look. Uh, but, you know, the... I think the the big lesson here, which is what motivated me to write about this in the first place, is it is like 1992 all over again, isn't it? We think of hackers, well, it's all in the money, right? $10 million ransomware attack. In this case, it was kind of like LulzSec back in 2010, if you remember them. We're doing it because like, you know, hey... That their motto, what was it? Well, for two years until they got caught and then it did not end well at all, was laughing at your security since 2011. And there are there are still people who will get into your network and have a poke around just because they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think if they do get caught, it probably is not an excuse that a magistrate or a judge will take very seriously. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, it's it's... Different people have different motivations for wanting to go poking around, particularly when it's something as controversial, and you can understand that, as surveillance. Right. We just talked through uh, some tips that that you uh, mentioned in the article. Obviously, don't create so-called super admin accounts. Don't assume that all attackers are motivated by money. Don't forget that you can outsource the work, but not the responsibility. Um, yes. And then one that I'm not sure if we talked about yet is keep an eye on your cloud assets. Oh, that's, yeah, I guess the, I put that in the article because it just so happens that Sophos has a product called Sophos Cloud Optics. And you know, that's a way of keeping track of what you've got where in the cloud, because particularly in a world of shadow IT, that can be much harder than you think. Now, the one thing a product like Cloud Optics can't do is it can't stop you deliberately telling the right password to the wrong person if you're absolutely determined to do so. But what it can definitely do is it can make you realize that things are not set up in the cloud exactly as you might like. Because these stories about, hey, I went looking in the cloud and look what I found. Well, we've had two of them this week. One was a big organization protecting video surveillance data. And the other was a a little guy making a call recorder app and uploading calls into the cloud. So basically that old truism, if you like, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, 
And that's the problem with cloud assets. If you don't know they're there, how are you ever going to find out whether they're secure or not? Great advice per usual, Duck. If you want to check out that article, it's on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. The title of that article is 150,000 security cameras allegedly breached in too much fun, quote, hack. Okay, it's time for the combo mashup lightning round. <laughs> Got a bunch of stories that are resurfacing uh, recently based on search activity on Naked Security. They're all based on the same thing, exploiting fear, fear of missing out, fear of being dissed, fear of being stalked, except that any action you take, just in case they might be true, quote unquote, will either A, make things worse, B, leave you with a false sense of security, or worse, both. So, Paul, let's play a game mm. of verbal volleyball here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set you up with a story prompt. You spike the infotainment ball over the net. Let's start with delivery scams. Was that a volleyball metaphor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen it played, and I tried it once or twice. And A, it did not come naturally. And B, like it was kind of dull. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of downtime <laughs> if you've never played before. <laughs> Particularly where this was, this was like volleyball on the beach. Like yeah. you go to the beach. Like there are better things to do, guys, than like. But movies have around. made it look so Whatever. cool. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, as I say, the, the first one that's had a big, it, obviously, it never kind of went away because, probably because of the pandemic. But I just was surprised to see a big surge in searches for this for one particular story about a particular type of delivery scam. Um, I think I can mention in this case, the company was DHL. Now, that's no slight on DHL. It's just that that's the brand that that seems to be getting abused the most at the moment because that, although there are lots of delivery scam stories showing up in our search results, that one suddenly spiked. And you know exactly what these scams are like, particularly in you know, pandemic home delivery times. Basically, hey, we couldn't deliver this. We are... Perfect logo here, ripped off from DHL or whoever's website. And, you know, maybe it comes even as an SMS. So you're forgiving about the fact that they don't know your name because they don't put your name in an SMS. It doesn't even say, dear sir, stroke madam. It just says, your parcel could not be delivered. Click here. And, you know, then you're, you're, you're clicking there and you're going into the browser on your phone. And, of course, on your phone, it's not quite so easy to see what the domain name is and whether you're on the right site. And you kind of think, well, I was expecting something. So it's obvious that these things are still causing a lot of trouble for people to the point that they, they're they not detecting that they're scams right away to the point they have to go and search for them. So simple advice there, folks, is if you get a message that says something good, bad, indifferent has happened, you need to visit our website to sort it out, click here, don't click there. Find your own way to the site in your own time using a bookmark that you created before and you will never need to click the link in the SMS or the email, which is how almost all phishing attacks these days, web-based phishing attacks work. They, they hope that you will click the wrong link because it's a link in the message. So don't click it. Find your own way there. Easy as that. Sextortion and porn scams. Oh boy, those never really went away, but they every every few weeks... Whoever's behind them seems to go large with them again. You're probably familiar with what we mean by this. It's sort of become a word these days, sextortion. The idea is that you've probably 
had any number of these emails. They can be quite confronting. The crooks say they've got a video that they were able to film via your webcam because they had malware on your computer of you on a porn site and basically send them money in bitcoins or else. And the or else is, you know, they'll they'll tell your wife slash husband slash SO slash partner slash boss slash friends slash whoever. And they're just trying it on and they send literally millions and millions and millions of these knowing that it costs them sadly almost nothing to do this. And some people will get so afraid and of course, the, the thing that convinces some people is they usually throw in a little bit of data that you kind of think, and we discussed this very issue in the podcast last week, Kimberly and I, when we talked about, you know, what you give away in the background in your photos, the death of a thousand privacy cuts, that the crooks throw something into that sextortion, the porn scam email, you'll see them called, where you think, well, even if, you know, even if you, you you never watch porn and you're not worried about that, but you think, well, this malware, they must be telling the truth. How else would they know my phone number, my an old password of mine? How else would they know my home address? How else would they know these these tiny little details? And of course, they've picked them up from some public data that's probably been available for years. And they're just throwing it in there as a kind of, as a kind of pseudo proof. Um, so... Of course, it's possible that the crooks really did have a video of you, but you think if they wanted to get you into blackmail, the best way to convince you would be to send you a still shot from the video. And that never happens with these with this particular scam because the crooks don't have anything. It's all basically a pack of lies based on getting you to be afraid and thinking, well, maybe if I pay, I'll, it'll go away. And of course, even if you did pay, even if they did have the photos, you have no idea of whether they're really going to delete them anyway and a blast from the past talking angela oh my god talking angela yeah um, (laughs) why she's particularly shot up in the charts but this in general is a reminder to everybody about hoaxes which is where you're going warning advising people about things that aren't actually a security problem so you're giving them a task to go and do to quote improve unquote their security in a way that will leave them with a completely false sense of having done the right thing and in a way that will leave them worse off so for those of you who've never heard this hoax before there's a game i forget the name of the company that makes them You've probably seen them. They've got a, there's Talking Tom, that's the Tom cat. Angela, that's the lady cat. There's, they've got a parrot, a dog. There's all sorts of them. They're, it's all the same game engine inside. It's just a bit of good, simple fun. You can chat by typing in to the cat, parrot, dog, whatever, um, <laughs> by typing in, or you can use voice recognition. And it, it conducts a very sort of basic conversation with you. It's a bit of silly, good, clean fun. And there's a they they do have or at least they used to have it under where this will do. They had a child mode which was supposed to try and av- avoid responding to risque words if you type them in. Um, if you've ever tried one of these apps, you know they're not the most exciting thing in the world. It's a good bit of fun. You'll use it for a while. Probably keep the the kids amused. There are no known security flaws that I'm aware of in any of these apps. But the story is of all of them, not the parrot. Not the Tomcat, not the dog, not any of the others. Just talking Angela. Apparently, she will ask your children 
scary questions about their, <laughs> you know, about and about their sexuality, even though oh. they're kids, and and it's you know, I mean, it, so it's it all gets terribly scary, and therefore it's obviously there's a whole gang of paedophiles behind this, and you want to be very scared. So they should rip this app out of the app store on no evidence whatsoever, which is a little bit unfair to the app developer. But the worst part of this is, apart from the crazy conspiracy theory stuff, is that people are telling their friends what you need to do. The single thing you need to do is if you've got this app, go and delete it. That's how you do cybersecurity. There are even people, we've seen them seriously, they think this app is actually trying to spy on your kids in the creepiest possible way. Oh, and they're saying you don't need to remove the app because it's quite fun to play if you just type. Just make sure that whenever you run this app that has got this gang of child abusers behind it, whenever you run it, put your thumb over the camera. <laughs> I mean, okay. get real, guys. Um, okay. But the real problem here is there's this idea that, and there are there are many other hoaxes like it, but this is the kind of perennial one, is there's this there's a thing you need to do, whether it's don't download a video with this name, go and change this irrelevant Facebook setting, or delete this individual app for your computer. And people get the idea that that will do for my cybersecurity as much as giving up smoking would do to my health. Now, it's true that if the one thing you're going to do for your health is give up smoking, that will make an enormous difference to your health. I think that's well established. And people desperately want to have the same kind of fix that they or anti-fix you might call it for cybersecurity, where they don't need to go through the five tips to improve security on your phone five tips to improve security while browsing the web you know where we might say pick proper passwords use tech two-factor authentication avoid clicking links in messages like we just said all of those things that you know there are five things you have to remember it kind of feels much oh just go and delete the cat golden and of course sadly cybersecurity isn't that simple so don't spread hoaxes folkses <laughs> Well crafted. All right. Bump, set, spike. So ends the volleyball-themed lightning round. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> um, guys, we're about to get into the Oh No. But before we get into the Oh No, I just want to quickly shout out, if you haven't checked out our mini-sode 23.5 with special guest John Noble, CBE, you should definitely check it out. Paul Ducklin, if you want to jump in and, and interrupt me, but you're, you guys are talking everything from regulating cyberspace to GDPR to encryption, protecting healthcare. I know we're going to play a quick clip. Let's listen to a clip. The key things for, for the IT security professionals to be, to be thinking around now are one to do with um, how we, we access these systems and the fact that we've really got to move to multi-factor authentication. It is just so important in stopping um, attacks. We have to be able to go and protect the systems administrators because we see attacks which, which are um, being directed at them. We have to address the major problem in the NHS, which is legacy equipment. And it's not such a cybersecurity problem. It's, a, it's an IT problem. We have to update systems so that they are not vulnerable. And we also have to respond to all of these high severity alerts that we're seeing recently about them, where we see weaknesses. But that is that is pretty difficult. Duck, is there anything else you want to throw in about this mini-sode? John Noble, CBE, uh, he got his CBE for services to, um, you know, amongst other things, cybersecurity uh, in the UK. 
He did a stint as a director at the National Cybersecurity Centre in the UK. He's currently a non-executive director at NHS Digital. NHS is our national health service. So he has that perspective of seeing the big stuff from the inside. And particularly when it comes, if you've got anything to do with healthcare, you know, I know that you're probably sweating right now because you're thinking we're in the middle of a pandemic. All the money that I want to spend on healthcare, I want to spend on healthcare. And I got all these ransomware crooks after me. What are the things that you can do? How, how do you justify investing in the cybersecurity part that seems to take away from healthcare? And John's got some great reasons why you might want to do that because you're kind of planning for the future and because it's kind of just too important not to get right. Guys, it's time for the Ono of the Week. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the Kool-Aid impression. I was freaked out about that last week. I, I, I listened back to it and I, I thought you can't say, oh, no, oh, yeah. And then when I heard it, I thought, well, obviously you can. Of course you can. You should. Yeah, I, I've kind of come around to that. <laughs> Great. idea. Now. So, right. oh, yeah, bring it on. Oh, yeah. It's time for the oh, no. So Chris Thoridi writes, some guy had cut a coax cable in his backyard that carried the TV to the entire neighborhood. We were dispatched to fix it. We dug a larger hole to get proper access and spliced the cable correctly and insulated it so people could get TV again. The job wasn't overly hard, but these things take time. At the end of the job, a quite upset elderly lady popped her head out yelling at us for messing up the TV she had been watching. All right understandable. Losing your TV for an hour or two can be annoying. We get it. That's why we're there to fix it. However, at the end of our job, she was yelling at us that our TV reception was really bad. So I went to look at it. She cursed at me for making her TV show black and white. Well, this is odd as a coax cable really has just the signal and one wire and that's it. It's not like it can possibly split up the colors and filter them. Sure enough, the TV was indeed in black and white. Uh, ma'am, your TV is showing a documentary about World War II. <laughs> of course it's in black and white. Oh, the my God. And Can you imagine being the guy in your neighborhood that cut the cable to all your neighbors? Like, talk about public enemy number one. That is public enemy number one. Oh, yes, because it was so in bad. his backyard, so they'd know who it was because there'd be <laughs> oh a backhoe in there and, and like, diesel fumes and, <laughs> and people in high-vis jackets pottering around. Jeez. So you wouldn't be able to hide, would you? You would be rather drawing attention. And now this old lady is not aware of the black and white documentary concept, so, like, she's probably going to come blame you. Which is so weird because she lived through black and white. The world itself didn't turn color <laughs> until, like, the 60s or 70s, and it was kind of grainy at that at first. And You guys got it in the 50s, I think. Yeah. But over here, it was much more recent than that. Beautiful. Mm. If you enjoyed this Ono oh or you have an Ono, oh you can always reach out to me and the team here. You can DM us on any of the social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Naked Security. You can also leave an anonymous comment on any of our articles on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And of course, you can uh, email us tips at sophos.com or you can reach out to me via Reddit. My username is oh no, it's Kim. O-H-N-O, it's Kim. That is my username. And of course, you can always leave us a five-star review. I'm always going to beg at the end of the episode for a five-star review. You can leave us one so kindly in Apple Podcast. 
And until next time, stay Stay secure. secure. Oh. Okay, you guys want to hear the specials?